I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. I'm Corey Willis with PPI. I'm Drew with DJ Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. Diesel Power Podcast. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. The one and only Diesel Power Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? Diesel Power Podcast bringing you another awesome episode talking about trucks and performance and builds. Before we get to it, though, we got to thank PPEI for making this episode possible with their support. And we get tons of questions about EFI Live and EasyLink and how to make more power with your 11 to current PowerStroke, Duramax, Cummins. And PPI has really dialed in the tuning and been on the cutting edge of performance for these trucks. So if you've got a a 6.7 Cummins with a 68 RFE, want to make that stock transmission last, they have transmission tuning for it. Same thing with the Duramax. Uh, 6.7 Power Stroke, a lot of great tunes through EasyLink, which EasyLink is really one of the coolest products out there. How easy it is to use, to update the power, the performance. It's just taking the whole industry by storm. So if any guys out there have questions, you know, and even if it's an older truck, if it's a 01 to, to 10 Duramax or 06 to 09 Cummins, PPI's got tons of, of products and, and tuning capabilities with EFI Live for them. Uh, but if you guys got questions, want to know more, want to make your, your setup run smoother, make more power, just give us a call. Numbers 888-556-0743. But now, now we're going to get to Chris from Magnolia Diesel Performance. Known Chris for a long time. Going to have some fun, talk about trucks, all that stuff. Awesome. You were live on the Diesel Power Podcast, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Known you quite a while, Chris. Um, that's when I started. Uh, um, I remember. I think you were a vet then. <laughs> you know, so I'm. Kinda, I've been yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> it's always really cool to to find out, you know, from from people that are in the industry or people who are enthusiasts of it, is when they f- first got hooked. Whether it was a truck or a race or or something like that. But what was what was your time when you're like, man, I need to be I need to be around these trucks. Um, I've always grew up being a truck guy, and uh, I had some mutual friends of uh, David Lott, and went and watched his truck run a uh, quarter mile at one time in the seven three, and he ran like at eleven fifty, and uh, so the performance aspect in the diesel, uh, I got hooked right then, seeing you know a seventy five hundred pound truck, you know, walk a vet down the road and. I was like, man, I've got to get in there. So, uh, kind of changed my aspect of all the gas motor stuff and uh, trucks, for, and went straight into the diesel, man. So I've been hooked ever since, and just have a passion for making these big trucks run and beat these cars on the road, you know. <laughs> Mine started pretty similar as well. I was just seeing what something that, that that you know it's that big, and they're not. Early on, they weren't known for being these platforms that could go fast and do all this stuff, but they've turned into that. So it's been really cool to see, you know, how it started in, I don't know, probably the early, mid-2000s and, and where it's at now. Much harder back then than it is nowadays. You know, the platforms have evolved with tuning um, capabilities are endless nowadays, basically. So from where we started and, and getting the, the power and the times, uh, to what it is now is totally a different ball game, which is good for the industry, you know, in the in the racing aspect of it. When did it go from being, say, uh, you know, like a 
something you were interested into. I want to do this for a career. <laughs> um, I've always I was already you know working and and doing trucks and stuff and uh, car builds and that kind of stuff. And like I said, whenever I seen that truck, you know, with the diesel and it, that that one trip to see that diesel run uh, just triggered it right then. So that was back in. 2004-ish, early 2004, late 2003, somewhere in that area, and uh, I just evolved into strictly diesel and been diesel ever since. Now, do you guys do? Do you guys do repair and performance, or do you do more of one versus the other? Uh, we do. Um, it's probably about pretty equal, um, and unless uh, we get a couple of good builds in here, then we'll kind of slack off on the uh, the maintenance and repairs, and and just kind of focus on the jobs. You know the the big builds and stuff. I know Texas is, it's just, it's like truck world. I mean, there's yeah, so many. trucks everywhere. <laughs> Diesel, gas, it's just a, it's really cool, you know, to look at it and see how many enthusiasts are there. So I'm sure there's plenty of different builds or things that guys want to do that stop by the shop and talk to you and, you know, pick your brain a little bit and set a plan for their truck. Definitely. Get a lot of that for sure. Well, you had mentioned like 2003, 2004, and I remember that time. I, I had no idea that I wanted to, to do this or be involved with it. But I remember that I would go on forums a lot, and I'd be looking up truck stuff and car stuff, and it's totally changed kind of through the years from then to now. Is is the forum side of it something that, that, that you started with and, and maybe learned or checked out trucks and you know, top 10 fastest stuff, and, and do you still go on there now? Um, back in the day, the forums were really good. You could see a lot of guys, you know, across the country and builds and get different ideas, um, stay on top of good products coming out on the market, and, uh, you know, a lot of helpful hints for customers as well, you know, for if they want to do repairs or something on their own. Um, from what I've seen then to what I see now which I really stay off of forums and social media in that aspect nowadays because now it looks like every time I've gone on there and just scroll through to get up to date with what's going on I see nothing but you know companies being bashed and uh, products being bashed uh, and if you're not running a certain tuner nowadays and your truck is nothing and just a lot of negativity on there versus what I think it started off being you know, it was a, yeah. a big community of helpful hints for everybody. And uh, like I said, you get to see other other builds going on and stuff like that. But now it's just, uh, I just stay off of it, man. It's really negative on there. We had a conversation with uh, the guys over at Comp D. And it was really cool to get their perspective on what that forum was like when it started. And they've been able to keep it very similar. And... It's what I remember about it. There's a lot of knowledge. You know, you kind of get to know people and, um, you know, see how their progression, you know, with their vehicles and how they modified it and what worked then, you know, is different than what works now. But right. they had mentioned something about companies, and, and I think that's one of the things that can almost get overlooked, especially when you first start out or, or a new company or something, is how many of the established places um, they can help you. Um, they can give you the tools that you need. Um, they can really help you build your business. And, you know, for you, when you were getting it going and, and establishing, you know, your company, 
who who helped you or in what ways did they help you as you grew your business? Um, I would say the number one would be um, ATS Diesel, hands down. Um, I was carrying their products and kept hounding Mike and Clint about uh, getting on the website and they, they finally gave me that call. I want to say it was uh, early 06, late 05 in there, and, and uh, gave me the opportunity to step up for them. And uh, when I did that, it kind of opened up other doors for bigger uh, companies that were out there that, you know, I was still a less known, you know, business, you know, in the industry. And uh, so it kind of helped open other doors and avenues uh, for different products. And... Uh, so yeah, they've they've definitely been a big help uh, with my career in this industry. Um, it's cool to see, or, or just experience it too. Like when, especially with the, I'd say with diesel parts because they they can change so much, and new products are coming out and everything like that. And when you have a really strong relationship with a manufacturer, you can call someone up and they know you and they can give you the quick rundown what's different, what the part number is. All those sorts of things, and it makes it so easy to stay on top of. I think the ever-evolving, you know, product line that's right. out there. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of companies that, to me, I've seen a lot of fly-by-night companies. You know, um, they'll hit it, hit it really hard, and that's the next fad, and then they're gone. Um, and then there's some companies that'll come out with products that you're not aware of, um, but being a dealer for them, you should, you know kind of get that new literature and stuff before it's in the magazine and customers walk in needing something you don't know about and then you have other companies that really like to stay on top of and help their shops and their dealers you know um, know that they have a new release or there's been a modification to a certain kit that they've got on the market Um, so that that aspect of it you know um, the ones that really want to help the shops and, and their dealers are really the ones that I like to keep working with you know because they don't want you to be in the dark when you have a customer come in and know something you don't know about you know they may be offering right now right or even trying to trying to service you know the customer when they have an issue i'm sure you see it all the time like sometimes they may install it themselves it's not installed correctly or they try to load you know some tunes or something like that and something's not quite right is being able to you know call you know that manufacturer if you need to oh yeah definitely you know, we eat a lot of, um, with customers either doing it themselves coming in and you try to give them a call to the manufacturer and, and uh, troubleshoot for them. Um, and then I've also had products that I've sold and the customer wasn't happy with and so I'll make a phone call, you know, via a tune or something and be like, this customer staying here doesn't like this, uh, you know, well, that's tough, that's how it is or, okay, for another hundred bucks we'll send you a different tune. And a guy standing in front of me makes the same phone call to the same company, and boom, you know, he gets a part overnighted, free of charge, no problem, or a tune emailed to his cell phone right in front of me whenever it's like I'm the shop representing your company and I'm pulling teeth to get, you know, something resolved for a guy that's standing in front of me that the customer can call and he gets done, like, hands down quick. So, I mean, that's pretty irritating. I see that quite often. I can imagine that it can happen at different times. I think the really, the really successful manufacturers and companies out there understand 
the different types of customers they have. Like, you might talk to 100 people a day, and you're local to them, you know, and and having that relationship with you makes their brand stronger, you know, and you're able to you're able to do things, you know, say that they can't, like the truck's there. Um, you can diagnose it. You can figure this out or that out, and, you know, you save them time in the, the process of that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I take a lot of, a lot of um, customers that have problems with, you know, say a product that I don't, uh, you know, really push or, you know, um, don't believe in, and I'll, I'll still take the time with that customer and try to call that manufacturer and, and uh, go over, you know, trying to resolve the issue for them as well. Um, so, I mean, it definitely happens, and it could be with any brand out there, but... Uh, there's a certain few companies that seem to want the customer, you know, you know, happy versus the shop that's trying to make the customer happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say. It's just it, at times I get really pissed off uh, with some of these companies, and then some other companies, man, are on the money and, and get you taken care of. So not only am I taking care of the shop, but now I'm helping the customer and standing in front of me. Versus, hey man, you're gonna have to leave my shop. They're gonna send you something in the mail, or vice versa. You know. Well, you had mentioned ATS, and, and they've they've definitely set a standard in the diesel community and the diesel industry for working closely with their dealers and their partners. And another one that that, that does a fantastic job of that is PPI, and Corey Willis and the crew over there. They've always supported us. They they've been able to. You know, when a new product comes out, give us all the information, answer our questions, um, help us, help customers. So if, uh, you know, a, a turbo changes or injectors change, us being able to communicate that to PPI, have them update the files, um, you know, just be able to work hand-in-hand hand with them and our customer has been fantastic. And it's, it, it's something where when we, you know, sell someone EFI Live or EasyLink Tuning, we know that we have support, not just, you know, right then when we place the order, but a year down the road, three years down the road. The, it's, it's, they're a fantastic crew, and it's, it's one of the reasons that, that we love working with them so much and, and why we're, we're such believers, you know, in their tuning. And it, it, it really helps us help our customers get their trucks where they want to go, tow what they need to tow, keep their EGTs down. So, you know, if... Uh, you know, anyone out there isn't familiar with PPI, um, has questions about EasyLink, EFI Live, any of that stuff, you know, you just give us a call. We're more than happy to talk to you, you know, about it now or if you're ready to order or you want to know when, you know, you should do this option versus that option. Just call us at 888-556-0743 and we'd be happy to chat with you. But I think to go a step further is there's always a time, you know, in business where, the relationships you have with a manufacturer or a vendor can really almost change your your business life in a sense. And I've had a few where you know you get a call from the owner or you know one of the the guys that's out there racing with the products or something like that, and they just want to know how you're doing and if you have any questions and how's business and can we do anything better and you know they just they kind of pump you up. So that's really important. That's um, probably my favorite part, you know, of working with companies or those strong business relationships that you can build. But I wanted to ask you, Chris, did you ever have a time like that 
you know, since since you've been since you've been a shop owner? Yes, um, a few times for sure. Um, it's kind of off subject, but in the same token, it's not because uh, back in 2011, my wife was battling cancer, and uh, so the diesel community really came together for me. Uh, a lot of guys on the forums that have never been to my shop or anything showed up to her benefit, and then I had you know, uh, ATS and Max Bull Engineering, Quazilla, Recon Lighting, Espro Gages, S&B, and a ton of other manufacturers out there actually donate product, you know. Um, so a lot of those guys, I like to, uh, you know, make sure that I, I promote their product and, and uh, return, you know, for yeah. taking care of that for me and uh, giving us that, that blessing, you know, for, for a product to be auctioned off and... Uh, help with those bills that's a, a really a really cool and i think inspiring um you know story or it's just i think that's what makes the, the diesel industry i think so special in the diesel community and you know there's sometimes you know people just they come together for anything you know for right. a special reason and and stuff and i don't see that everywhere out there in the no, world <laughs> no and i mean i had you know a couple of shops in the area um you know i guess you could say we're competitors because we're shop owners but uh i mean they showed up at my shop um during that time and and uh, showed their support and uh like i said a lot of guys from the forums just introduced themselves and said that they were from the forums you know and they go to x x shop over here or whatever but i mean that just uh, showed a lot of uh, camaraderie that we do have in the diesel industry um, even though there's the the, ba- the bashings on the social medias and stuff, but there's still a bunch of group guys that are uh, the core guys. I could, I, I kind of say, um, you know, that will come together in, in real time of need. And it happens at the track as well. You know, there's been a lot of times at the track we've blown a boot and uh, we're able to pick one up from another guy out there, another shop, and and uh, we've returned a favor at the same time when. You know, we've had something with us that they've needed. So, I remember seeing your 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 race truck, and you guys would travel with it. I remember seeing you up here in, in Colorado with it. Yeah, we did for uh, two two good years. We gave it hell on the Pro Street. Um, it was uh, an 03 Dodge back half, and uh, called Twisted, and driven by Jake Snowden and and owned by him. But uh, I sponsored a lot of time and product, and and uh, another project the ATS you know helped us along with and uh, we got it down to running on fuel only at, consistently at a 1002 and uh, it let go in 2012 at world finals and uh, we sold it as a rolling chassis and have uh, started on a couple of other projects now and should be running uh, the 1090 class on two trucks that we have coming out and they'll be done pretty soon by the time we got to the, the, you know, that 10, bottom 10 there on fuel, you know, the Pro Street class is already dipping to the mid-nines, so it's a lot of money to stay on top of that, and, uh, you know, whenever you take a stock bottom in for two years and beat the hell out of it and run 10s, uh, and it lets go, it kind of crushes you at that moment, but uh, you live and learn and start again, you know? Does it make you question your brand loyalty a little bit? Because I know you're a Ford guy. 
But that was a, you know, that was a Cummins platform. That was a, that was the old five nine that was taking that beating for two years. Uh, what a smart ass! I knew you were going to say something about that, man. Uh, I am a Ford guy. I love my power strokes. Um, but ninety percent of my business that comes through here is uh, Cummins, um, and then on all of our race trucks, uh, except for my personal truck, but never been anywhere fast. Uh, you know, they've all been coming as well, rather than the 12 hours or the common rails. I mean, their parts on, on for that platform are so vast now um, and so many different combinations. And then it's much cheaper. I mean, bottom line is cheaper and you can get horsepower much quicker trying to do a Duramax or, you know, a Power Stroke. Uh, we see the Cummins that doesn't take much and you start building really quick power so unless on the pocketbook yeah def- definitely and that's that's what something i've i've personally grown with is i it gravitated towards the cummins platform but being around for so long there's other parts of these trucks and and their motors and their transmissions i've really learned to appreciate like Usually, Ford guys aren't blowing up transmissions when they just have a tuner on it. Right. <laughs> Duramax trucks are just, they're smooth. The, the power delivery on them is really, it's nice and different. And I've, I've learned to appreciate each brand. Gotcha. They all have their perks and they all they all have their problems. Uh, it's just I see a lot more of the, the problems with the Dodges than anything. So. You have a, a really cool Dodge project that caught my eye. I saw floating around. I don't know if it was on social media or if it was on in a magazine, but you've got a really cool truck I wanted to ask you about and what you're what you're doing with it and what uh, what, what you've done so far and, and what your goal is with it. And it's a it's a twelve valve, right? It's a ninety seven twelve valve. Uh, the project's called Slow Build, and uh, it's been about a year in the works. And I, I bought it really cheap. And it was beat to hell. I mean, uh, so hopefully when it's done, the people have pictures from the beginning to the end uh, to see where it came from. But uh, I bought it just to kind of flip it really quick at the shop. And it sat there for a week, and I just said to hell with it. I'm going to build the truck and, uh, you know, strip the bed off of it. The cab came off. The, everything down to bare frame. And uh, I have my 15-year-old son has been on the project with me and and we just do it on weekends together and so the suspension has been completely redone uh it's got a drop kit on a three four drop kit and it's painted uh uh 2007 ford uh charcoal gray so i had to throw something forward into this dodge project here (laughs) and uh but I, i made it really nice and sleek uh the old school load lowered uh high rod look I'm not going for big power right now, uh, but it does have a new motor and trans. A um, couple of, you know, intake, intake horn, um, just a couple of little performance parts that are on there right now uh, from different brands that we do carry. And uh, so once I'm done with the interior and some other things, then if it stays around, then it'll start going into the power range. But right now, it's just been fun to build it with my son and uh, get a lot of head turning when we do drive it down the road. Um, that's about it. Right now, my goal was originally just three to 400 horsepower, just a little cruiser, you know. And uh, 
now that people are starting to see it around here at the shop and stuff, uh, the first question is, how fast is it? So <laughs> right. I just want to get it completed. Uh, it's taking this long. I just figured out what I'm doing with the interior and the coloring and stuff like that. So once I get that done, um, and the question of how fast and how much power, um, I'll have to actually start doing something to make it have power and get some numbers on it so I can answer those questions. But yeah, it was in the uh, truck next door for Diesel Tech Magazine, and uh, I fit up a couple of other magazine guys, and they've been interested in it and like to see a finished project. And once it's done, hopefully, you know, I'll catch some eyes and they can do a cover or uh, get something in the magazine of it. That's what's cool, you know, about the different kind of builds. They don't always have to be, you know, like a fire-breathing trailer truck that goes all over the country. They can be. But just that nice cruiser, that nice, you know, you got you got enough power, you know, it gets up and goes. But, you know, it's just a, like, like you named it, just a slower kind of project you can take your time on yeah. when it allows. And... I mean, nowadays it's like, um, you kind of have like three varieties that I'm starting to see you know you either have a full-blown race truck to 2,000 plus horsepower um, or then you have these trucks that I like to call the pavement princesses because they got the widest wheels on there with the stretch tires and the million light bars on it jacked up in the air and they think they got lots of power but they don't and then you got the other guys that are just plain Jane that kind of make a sleeper truck you know and, yeah. and uh, just putting nice wheels and stuff on there and but you don't have the guy that just wants a nice truck that wants that just wants to cruise. So that's me. I'm old, man. <laughs> the track the track is where you let it loose at, you know. So yeah, it's definitely been like that for me when I was younger. It was all about going fast and doing this and doing that, and now like I just want to get where I'm going, have it be a little quiet, you know, not rattle the door panels and everything else while you're driving. Right. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I definitely want to, you know, stay in touch with you and keep my eye out for it. I, I, it is, uh, it's a beautiful truck. Appreciate and then, it. You know, see what you do with the interior will be cool. Yeah, there's a lot of good ideas going into it. Um, it's not going to be like a crazy show truck interior, but it's going to definitely be really nice and classy. Um, like I said, everything on the truck is new. I mean, the AC, the bearings, the rear end, the transmission, the motor... Um, it's got the fourth gen bumper and it put some lights in the bumper and I mean stainless steel brake lines everything and anything I've ever replaced so everything inside is going to be replaced interior wise too so it's a complete restoration basically those are, those are some of my favorite projects I've always wanted to do something like that I probably will one day it's just find the you know the perfect kind of platform that I want and and just be able to take my time with it, replace every, you know, nut and bolt and grommet and just kind of build it the way, you know, I would have 20 years ago or 15 or whatever your truck it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, here we don't, that's not what we do, you know. We're, we're in the performance, so we'll cut the shit out of your frame and stuff and, and build a race <laughs> truck, you know, but it's not like, well, let's tear it apart and replace everything and like it was brand new and better and... Um, so yeah, that's just not what we do. We don't build show trucks, and this is kind of going to be a show truck, and 
that's why I really wasn't worried about the big performance aspect of it. But the more uh, the more I get hounded about it, the more the urge, you know, starts coming. So we'll see. <laughs> you know, I was I saw this. I don't remember where I saw it on Facebook or maybe it was Instagram, but they're talking about football season rolling around, and this is like the last month till February. <laughs> We're not going to be without football. Oh, and man. I'm, I'm getting excited, and I just happened to be flipping it through ESPN one day. And you know, sometimes they replay college games from the previous year. Are, are we going to talk about the the whooping that Notre Dame took? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I'm flipping around. I'm having a good. That. We can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good day, you know. I'm flipping around, and I'm like, "Really, this is the game you guys wanted to replay? The one that I talked trash to Chris for forever, and they're down like 28 points and try to make this comeback, and then they give him nine months or ten years to be able to talk about that game." And I thought, man, I don't know. This this year should be interesting. I think so. I think so. But, I mean, that was a hell of a game. Um, UT surprised me, and, of course, the rest of the year went to hell after that. But I guess we beat your team is all that mattered that year. Uh, But we have a new coach, so hopefully uh, we're going to have a good season. It's so competitive there. Um, Just even with the different conferences they're in, like A&M being in the SEC and, you know, Texas and all the just the, the they all kind of play a different style of football. Um, they're all competitive, but it's just I think I think Texas has a pretty bright future with the coach they got and the talent pool that they have and and everything. I hope so, man. Uh, it's been overdue for quite some time to to get back on track with those guys. Um, it's good to see all the other Texas teams, you know, out winning and being competitive as well. You know, for Many a years it was just A and M and UT, you know, dominating, and kind of felt sorry for all the other colleges in Texas and in the, their football programs. But I mean, TCU's came a long way. Texas Tech's been up and down. Um, so yeah, it's good to see them all starting to get some good recruiting and keeping a lot of the Texas boys at home to to play football. I remember vividly. Well, I've been a, a Notre Dame fan since I was a little kid, and I don't remember the last time they won the title. But uh, 2012, I remember they were undefeated. Um, And that day, a few teams lost. But I remember Kansas State, I think, would have been first. All they had to do was beat Baylor. That's all they had to do. And I thought, Notre Dame can beat Kansas State for the national title. And Baylor comes out with that that high-flying offense. And I I just remember it was kind of high-scoring. And then... Baylor wins, I think Notre Dame's first, and then I go, really, so you play Alabama? Really, Alabama? I'm going to have to wait a while for this to, for this to go down. You keep beating them. Not that particular team. You know, they've been... Right. I don't know what, yeah, what, what they've done. Yeah, that's the team you want to see at the end of the year. So, uh, no. Nick Saban's got that organization going in the right direction every year, it seems like. There's always those teams, you know, whether it's football like them or the Patriots in the NFL or Golden State Warriors or just there's there's these coaches and these these teams where they just set a standard. It's like everyone's still trying to catch. I think I know Clemson beat Alabama last year, but as a program, you're still trying to catch what Alabama can do for how many years, and 
the type of players they can churn out and how many first-round draft picks are there and just what they can do, it's tough. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, if you're at the top for so many years, um, every program is still trying to catch up. So, um, you know, it's like the Patriots over there in, in the, my favorite Miami team's division, <laughs> always leading the way. And uh, so... Yeah, Bill Belichick is the guy over there, so you're always trying to hopefully find another genius coach that's going to put all the pieces in place and be a dominant, you know, for many years. So I don't, I don't even know. You know, he does such an amazing job. I think at finding talent that most other teams would pass on. Like even Tom Brady, I remember him in college. He was okay. He wasn't. There's was nothing that said he was going to be this good. You right. know, or the guys they draft and they turn into, you know, an all-pro all pro wide receiver, running back, or linebacker. And, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely on another level. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. But I've always thought, you know, what if the, uh, the team didn't have to realign and Manning and Brady were still in the same division? How would that have turned out with either one of their careers? Because yeah. you got to look at it. Indianapolis dominated the Texans' division, and then the Patriots have dominated their division. So the top three or the bottom three teams in each division are pretty trashy, if you ask me. Even Miami team and the Texans team. So they've had a free run of beating, you know, three teams in a you know six-game period throughout each season to where they can really put some numbers together. Yeah. So I mean, if you take that out of the equation, I've always kind of wondered. Uh, how that would they would have managed, or who would have came out of top, you know, staying in that same division and have them play each other every year. It would be tough. I think of you know being here in Denver in the AFC West. As I remember when the Seattle Seahawks were in the AFC West, and I think like now, what would it be like if Denver and San, you know, Seattle and Oakland's gotten better, but if they had to play each other twice, you know, it would be. I don't know. It'd be different. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's, uh, I don't know, hopefully, there's always those surprise teams, and I always like to try to think. I'm never right. I never pick the right one. But, like, who's going to well, be a surprise team? Well, you Cleveland Browns, because that's not going to work <laughs> for you, man. They got my boy now. They drafted him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're, they're going to Super Bowl now. <laughs> I think they're going in the right direction. I think they had a really good draft. And I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or anything right now, but... Well, they might get three wins in this year. Yeah, yeah, they 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 probably could. It's it's kind of it was sad though to see, you know, a, an organization like the Browns move. And you know they came close to going to the Super Bowl, you know, in the '80s and stuff, and then right, you know, they move, and four years later, the former Browns or the Ravens are now winning the Super Bowl. So, I know the fans there are passionate, and they love, they love their. Their Browns and their Indians and well, the mean, Cavaliers you know, and everything. Yeah, think about uh, you know the Oilers leave and then there's the Tennessee Oilers and the Titans and they go to the Super Bowl and it's like y'all can do that while you're in Houston, like really. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know they're pain. I promise. <laughs> but you're a Dolphins fan, though, so it's been quite a while since there was a what was it '84 or '83. Yeah. 
No, I've been 84, I believe, is when Montana beat the shit out of them. That's so amazing to me that, that Marino never got back to a Super Bowl with just the offenses that they had, you know, and at, at that time. I always, would have, I always thought he was going to get one. You know, he was going to win one of them. But it was a, I don't know, it's a different era in football, different kind of rules and things Very like that. Very different. Um, I mean, that's, to me, that's why he's the greatest. Uh, he doesn't have a ring, but if you look at the amount of time he did get to play and the era that he played in and to break the record that he did and how long they lasted before Breeze and Brady and Farr and Manning ever hit any of his records, you know, and they've, they're all in the, the style of play where the defenses have to let the receiver catch it. You have to let the receiver catch it in the air and come down before you can hit them. You know, you can't touch the quarterback. So, I mean, it's, it was totally different. You know, Elway, Marino, Kelly, they all got the shit beat out of them. You know, the new quarterbacks, they, they can't get touched. So, I think it's totally different. And how you could contact, like, when you could put your hands on the receiver? Yeah, you could definitely. You know, now? The defender was able to fight for the ball just as much as the receiver, but now, you know, you got to let them catch it because we want 40 to 50 points per game. Yeah, I think I think that's what they want is that exciting, high-scoring, you know, game. And it's just changed. And it changed it a lot. You know, when I was a kid, that's who I grew up watching was Joe Montana and Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and Boomer Esiason and just all those guys. And it was the defenses were nasty. Oh, and yeah. if you could score a lot of points, you were doing something right. Right, you know? for sure. Yeah, I mean, the defense back then – you know, that was hard-nosed football. I mean, they, they kicked everybody's ass. Um, yeah. The offense, if you got out alive, you're doing good. Um, nowadays, it's like, I don't even know why the defense even show up to play. I think what is cool, though, is when they do, like you think of the, the Broncos' defense when they won the Super Bowl, the Seahawks, some of these other teams, when they when they can be dominant in today's game, it's like, this is a really good defense. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, whenever... And there's certain teams that you get to see that actually line up and, and clash together that um, the rest will actually let the defense play, and it ends up turning out to be a really good game because it's just not one-sided. I just wish they would be consistent with it. And sometimes it, it flips from week to week or playoff game where sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes, depending on the quarterback or the receiver, they might give them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. you know, and... Like totally be consistent. Agree, yeah, there's not not very good consistency, and when you you watch a Patriots game, you're gonna see a lot of that. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, we're we're counting down towards football season. I'm sure that uh, we'll have some more uh, some more debates and stuff, and see how things shake out here. And well, it won't really shake out in August or September, but once we get into October, November, and how things go down. See. I think the first uh, first game of the season, you got to change your profile pic to that Super Bowl bet you lost. <laughs> and uh, you said something about you're going to go shopping and a lot of your friends, you know, Broncos friends are going to disown you for a little bit. But, I mean, a bet's a bet, brother. It is. They still don't sell a lot of Seahawks stuff here. Uh, <laughs> NFLshop.com will send you whatever you need, buddy. <laughs> Just won't wear it out of the house. I, when they after they lost that Super Bowl, it was like 
if you wore Seattle stuff or you were a lifelong Seattle fan or something, you could do it. But Denver fans are so passionate. So when they were able to, you know, win one, it kind of took away that intensity of screw the Seahawks, screw the colors. Anybody screw. else is going to be here. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> now you're yeah, back we, to we're dominant Broncos fans. Nobody else can uh, here. No, nah, they're, I don't know. I don't know. They got, they got some problems they got to figure out and wrap up pretty quick with, you know, what Oakland and Kansas City are doing in that division and the rest of the AFC. You know? Yeah, I hope, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Carr can do over there. Um, that, that, that guy is an excellent quarterback and, uh, I think if they keep building a team around him, Oakland's going to be a force to reckon with. Then they got beast mode now. Yeah, beast is going to be back there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the receiving core is pretty dang good. So, I think they're going to be really good, man. Yeah, so uh, that'd be my one thing. That's just, I think they do make playoffs. I don't know how far into it they go, but they could uh, they could challenge New England maybe on a good day. You know, play with them. Mm-hmm. We shall see, though. Yeah, we shall. <laughs> we appreciate uh, your time today, Chris, and you know, sharing those stories and letting me make fun of you a little bit and you make fun of me and and everything. And we'll uh, well, definitely... everybody on the podcast heard that you know Seattle hat, shirt, whatever <laughs> your profile picture, beginning of football. Everybody knows about it now, so you can't let us down. <laughs> you Ford guys, you Ford guys. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> First on race day, buddy. Remember that. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, like I said, we've, we've been uh, friends for quite a while, and we'll be up there pretty soon to hang out. So uh, keep an eye out for a slow build, and that's about it. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's... Uh It'll be it'll be cool to see it, you know. See you up at the ETS Dino Day or something, and and uh, check out that truck. That's we said earlier. That's that's what I like are those those detailed builds, and and I know what uh, what you're doing is going to be a, a really cool truck. And yeah, no military so. axles, no Patriot forty inch tires. And, you know, it's just a nice truck, man. So. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Don't forget, diesel fans. You any questions on EFI Live, Easy Link, how to make your truck? You know, run cooler, have more power, have more torque, keep that transmission alive. Or even for some transmissions, you know, especially on the 68 RFEs, is, is you need to have specific TCM tuning to keep the warranty. And, and PPI has done a fantastic job working with transmission companies to tune that particular transmission the way the transmission builder wants it tuned. So you can have that ultimate confidence in it. But just give us a shout. It's 888 888- Five five six zero seven four three. Happy to chat with you. Explain you know, the different tuning options, what you can do, updates that are coming for it, um, the power levels, all that sort of stuff. And so we want to thank PPI again. We appreciate the support, making this podcast possible. I'm going to bring you guys another awesome episode next. I think you guys are really going to love it. And until next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>